0: go up, it needs a firm and solid foundation that goes deep. And so that's when God laid on our hearts that we need to put down our foundations, um, deep foundations that God wants to put down here so that restoration can stand and can last through the generations and that's what we're doing now, is we're establishing or seeing God establish something of the foundations of restoration. So, um, I raised my hand to talk on the church. So. Uh, usually speak on the Holy Spirit or other things but um, have never taught on the church before so it was good also for me to really learn Um, and some of this we might know it's basic but I felt stirred that even as I was preparing God was taking me a lot deeper in just understanding his huge heart for the church and his incredible love for the church it hit me when I was preparing like he loves the church he loves the church And I know we always talk about how God loves me, and that is what it is, essentially, He loves me. But He loves His church. It's not just me, it's, you know, all of us together. It's the combination, it's the coming together. So He loves His church, and He's passionate about His church. Um, The church is His people. We know that. It's His people. So I've titled my message The Holy Church. Hopefully I don't cry through the whole thing, but I might. Um, (laughs) I titled it The Holy Church because not only did I feel revelation of God's love for the church, but I felt uh, revelation of the fact that the church is holy again. And I don't mean we all need to come dressed like we're going to a funeral and sing somber songs and not joke and not laugh and have fun. I don't mean that kind of holy, that kind of reverence. But I did feel a sense of We need to understand again that the church is holy. And I felt that revelation again, that the church is holy and we approach it with a reverence, with a respect, and with a little bit of fear even, that this is God's thing. Again, that fear just that, not how we come, but how we view the church and how quick we are to think that the church is about us and for us when it's actually his thing, it's his thing. It's God-ordained. It is... um, The origin of the church is is not a man-made thing. It's God-ordained. And so it's a holy church. And so I'm reminded also that Jesus is intimately involved in his church, as the head of his church, which we all know, we talk about, right? Jesus is the head of his church. But he's intimately involved with the church. He's intimately involved in establishing it and growing it in every part of the church, and leading the church. He's still intimately involved in all those things. And there's many different pictures of the church in scripture. Uh, many different actually and I came up with I found seven that I wanted to talk on even though there's more than seven Um, but I as I started unpacking them there's no way I could do seven so I started going and when I got to the third one I was like that's all I can do so i will probably just brush over the last four but just be prepared there's seven but I'm only really going to go in depth on three of the things and so I also realized that the church is multifaceted When you see all these pictures that God has of the church in scripture, you know, the bride, a family, the body, a people, a nation. It's easy for us to think that the church is one thing, right, we all love to think the church is a family, right? It's a family, it's a family, it's a community. It's also an army, it's also on a mission. It's not all about the lost, but it's also not all about family. So it's both and all, and I I was reminded of God is a multifaceted God. He's multifaceted, and even as we try to get our heads around how all the attributes of God can exist in one, we cannot get our minds around that, and it's the same with the church. So we need to resist the urge to think and box the church in. Um, And I was reminded of that again. Ultimately, the church exists for God's glory, not even the good things that we do. It exists for his glory and to be a place where he dwells, where his glory dwells and manifests. Um, So yeah, let's get started on the pictures of the church. So the first picture I want to talk about is that of a people and a nation, a new humanity or new society that God created in the church. This picture is possibly the most powerful. I think it's for sure the most powerful picture of the church because I'll, I'll get into that. First Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And this picture of the church as a chosen people or a nation is audacious. And for Paul to say this of the church is audacious because these titles, these terms, were only given to the children of Israel in the Old Testament. So they were... The Israelites had this privileged status and this covenant relationship with God. They were the only chosen ones. They had this unique origin, but now they were the only ones in covenant relationship with God. But now all those titles belong to the church, which is us. So it's this audacious thing that he's proclaiming about the church that now we are the chosen ones. Only the Israelites were in covenant relationship with God, recipients of the promises. They were the only ones who had um, knew God's love and him walking with them and were able to walk with him. And he was leading them and he was their God and they were his people. That didn't belong to anyone else. But then Jesus came and he changed all that. And Ephesians 2, 4 says, he destroyed the dividing wall of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so the church also, should not be a place where there's divisive walls and things put between people for any reason whatsoever Ephesians 2:12 through 13 Says, remember, and Paul is speaking to the Gentiles here. He's reminding them of what they were before Christ, but it also applies to us before Jesus, before we knew Jesus. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now, in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near. So again, Paul's speaking to the Gentiles and he's reminding us that before Christ we were separate from God. Not having any of the spiritual blessings that come from belonging or being in Christ, being one with Christ. We were also alienated. We were excluded from citizenship. Not able to belong at all. Not able to partake in the promise. Not in covenant with God. Without hope. No hope of ever belonging because... Who knew when Jesus was gonna come? Who knew if? So we would be without hope of belonging and without God just left to idol worship, which is totally unsatisfying. That's what uh, the Gentiles were, they had idols. They had idolatry and they would worship man-made idols, which we know is totally not satisfactory. I know we know some of this stuff, but I'm still just re-going over it again, just for the sake of talking about what the church is. So thanks for bearing with me. So in short, Jesus is, without Jesus, man is cut off from God, unable to belong, not in a covenant relationship with the Father, hopeless, and godless. That's without Jesus. And that's how each of us was before knowing and accepting him as our Savior. But then there's the hope and the exciting thing, which is verse 13. It says, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ Jesus made a way Jesus made a way for everyone to belong he created a new people a chosen people belonging to him and now instead of not having a home or not having a people or not having a citizenship or not and being separate from God we were brought near and that's what it means this picture of the church as um, a people, a chosen people, a holy nation. And I know, I'm mean, going to just for the sake of talking on it, um, it's always been God's intent for us to have, the ch- for him to have the church. The Old Testament was not his best, It was not his like, this is how he intended it. Just as his intent was always that Jesus would come and replace and fulfill, not replace but fulfill the law and the sacrifices that were required in the Old Testament. It was also Jesus' intent and God's intent that the church would fulfill the what the nation of Israel represented in the Old Testament. So it wasn't that Israel was his best plan and then the church was the second plan. He the Old Testament is a foreshadowing or a picture of what was to come and the new supersedes the old. So the New Testament was his original intent. His heart has always been, his intent has always been for the church and that that would be his people. So his heart has always been that the church would be his people, a people in covenant relation with with him and called and given a mission by him. So this is all God's design, and that's why I'm taking us through all that, is it's God's design. His plan has always been the church. His intent has always been the church. And it's an intimate walking with Jesus. He is our God. He is with us. We are his people. This sense of belonging to him. And that's just this beautiful picture of the church. So being in covenant relationship with Jesus and with God, belonging to him means that he can never stop loving us. He actually cannot stop loving us because we're in covenant relationship with him. Because of Jesus' death and the Holy, by the Holy Spirit, it means we have immediate access to God. We have immediate access to the Father at any time. And it's something that we cannot take for granted, that we have access to God's presence and to, to the Father at any time. Not because of us, but because of Jesus, only because of Jesus and what he did because of his sacrifice, we have access to God and we can come to him anytime as our father and we can access him, which is a huge privilege that we take for granted as his people, as his church, at least I do sometimes. So the church has a supernatural origin. I said that already, I'm gonna say it again. It is not man-made. It is founded by God himself, and he has an order and a design that we're to follow. As his people, our identity doesn't, isn't from what we do, but it's because we belong to him. That's where we find our identity. We wanna to come to church and we wanna say, what can I do, right? I'm like, I'm a doer. But God wants us to know our identity comes from belonging to him. He wants us to do, but He wants us to know we're in covenant with Him. We, we matter because we're His, because we're His, and we belong to Him. So that's the first picture of the church, and the second picture that I want to talk on today is family, Ephesians 2.19. The second pic- picture of the church is even more intimate. We think of A people, a holy people, a chosen people is intimate, but that of a family is even so much more intimate, right? Ephesians 2.19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Romans 8.16, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So we are children and we're in God's household. The church is a family. And that means we're linked primarily relationally. And this is so important. We're not linked by function or by structure or even like-mindedness on issues. We are linked by relationship because we're sons and daughters and we're brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're not all connected because we're all doing the same thing. We're connected because of relationship. First our relationship with God, but relationship with each other. I know Hughes shared this last week but at Connect Group, um, but family implies a safe place, it should imply a safe place, uh, an environment of mutual love, of care and support, and just honor, honoring one another and being there. It's a place that we can all grow in a secure environment. That's what family should represent, and I know family does not always represent those things, but that's what this family and what we want to represent is God's family. So I I felt stirred again just to enjoy the relationships that we have here, just enjoy. I know we all enjoy each other and we all already have relationship, but I just felt like excited for the fact that God has given us this privilege of being in family together and having one another in each other's lives and not to take it for granted because it's not a common thing when you have community like this and family like this. It's not common, it's special. And we have been placed together to enjoy friendship and fellowship with each other, to pray for each other, to stand with each other in faith, to trust for each other for the things we're trusting for, to love and encourage each other, and to spur each other on, right? To speak truth at times, to spur one another on. And also I want to encourage us to guard these relationships guard these relationships. They're not to be abused, the friendships and the relationships within the church. You know, I do think Christians, and oftentimes we can abuse the relationships we have. Um, And by abuse, I use that term, but they're not to be abused by having too high of expectations on one another, expecting too much of people. That's one way. Um, Testing the friendships, testing the relationships. I think that's a way of abusing the relationships. Um, You know, we all sometimes can, or I personally can sometimes, you wanna hold back or you wanna say, well, I'm just gonna see if they notice that I need something and they reach out. Reach out if you have a need. Hugh and I wanna encourage you, reach out if you're lonely, reach out if you have a need. Don't wait and don't test the friendships that God has given to us, guard them. Have grace for each other when someone lets us down, because that will happen. And I know we've talked about this relationship stuff a lot, so I'm not gonna um, stay on it, but just trusting each other's hearts, that our hearts are for each other, that they're pure, not looking for motive all the time, not looking for things, but just trust, trusting one another. The third picture, so that's of a family, but the third picture, That I want to talk about a little bit is the building or a temple. So it's not a building right? The church we just talked about is a community of people. It's God's people. But it can be likened to a building or more more specifically the temple. And Paul does that in the New Testament. Going back just to the Old Testament, Solomon's temple was this, you know, focal point for over a thousand years, kind of identifying God's people in the Old Testament. And that's where you had to go for, you know, to come and where God's glory was. And that's where the nations would come to find salvation. So when you see the church and you liken it to the temple, it's kind of still the same. So we're now the temple. God dwells with us and as we gather the presence of God is here and it's also where the nations and where people can come to find salvation. So that's how it kind of looks like the temple or a building. And so using this picture Paul speaks on the foundation and the cornerstone and the structure and the growth of the building. So let's look at Ephesians 2:20 So as we know, nothing is more important to a building than its foundation, right? Getting that strong foundation, which I said earlier. And I'm not a builder, but i it's simple enough to kind of understand these things, right? You need a strong foundation. And Paul here is saying that it, the foundation is to be built on the, uh, the teachings and the instruction of the apostles and the prophets of the New Testament. That's what that means when he says the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So he's saying that those foundations it's basically the download from heaven that god gave the early apostles the twelve in giving them the design and the blueprint for the early church in the new testament and so those are the new testament documents is what the foundation of the church is and that's why we so try to follow scripture and the new testament's pattern when we do church because that's the design that God gave the Apostles in the early church, and so we want to stay with that. We don't want to change, you know, or deviate away from that or come up with our own structure. So that's the pattern that God has given them, and that's the foundation of the church. And I know some of this is elementary, so just bear with me. But um, I want to do a thorough job (laughs) So that's a, that as best as we know, we stay to, those, to that pattern and true to scripture. But then he talks on the cornerstone. And the cornerstone is just as important to the foundation and to the whole building. So as I read, the cornerstone is this bigger stone that sits in the corner and it's been tested. And it's very important to the stability and the unity of the building. So the whole building needs to be tied to the cornerstone. The cornerstone's in the corner. It it makes the building go up straight, be stable, and have unity. So it's cohesive. So scripture says Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone in our foundation. And so to me, when I take that picture, we we are united and stabilized as a church because of Jesus, around Jesus, based on him. That's our unity, Jesus is our unifier, he's our stabilizer as a church. We don't unify around political views, uh, causes, common causes, you know, even theologies. There's a lot of theologies that Christians, you know, don't agree on, which is totally fine. But those things don't unify us. Jesus is what gives unity, he's what gives stability to the church. Always, no matter what. And so we unite around we just we, we want to be tied closely to him. The building needs to be tied closely to him, the church. And we all are living stones, the Bible says. Each of us is a living stone in this building, which means each of us has to then be tied to the cornerstone, which is Jesus, in order for the building to go up, to be straight, stable, unified. And it means we can go higher, right? It means we can grow more and more. So these are just important things to our foundation. I liked those pictures. I like getting in depth with all that stuff. So if it's not your thing, that's okay. Thank you for pairing with me. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the picture of the building and the temple and uh, also such a good picture for us. Then number four, and I'm going to go through these last ones quickly, just um, that of a priesthood, the picture of a priesthood. Unlike in the Old Covenant, where only some were priests, only some could go into the Holy of Holies, only some had access to God, only some could make sacrifices, only some could minister. We all are priests in the New Covenant. Each of us are priests. Each of us has access to God. Each of us, whether you're a leader in the church or a full-time minister, each of us can minister. Each of us can minister to each other. Each of us can minister to the lost. Each of us can evangelize. All of us serve. As priests, we all serve. We all minister. We all evangelize. We all do all these things as priests. And most important, we all have access to God and to his presence. Five, the body. We know that picture well. It's a common one. Jesus is the head. The church is the body. And as the head, he rules and he governs. And that still gives that picture of keeping everything in aligned, right? So Jesus is the head and the bride. I love the picture of the bride. As the bride, we submit to Jesus. We um, belong to him. He's passionate about his church. It's this intimate picture of Jesus and his church. Uh, he's passionate and he's coming back, the Bible says, for a mature bride. So we are the bride. Seven, we're an army. And again, there's more pictures, but these are the ones I had. We're an army. It's a family, but a family on a mission, a family engaged in a battle, not just a family sitting around hanging out. I mean, we do like to hang out, but you know what I mean. We know we're engaged in spiritual warfare for our city, for the church, for the lost. We're involved in a battle. So we are an army. The church is meant to take ground. The church is meant To take ground for the kingdom. Not just, you know, hang out with our 20 little selves or whatever. If it's 50 selves, whatever it is. We have a purpose. And how much people need that in family today is to understand that family has a purpose bigger than just your kids' extracurricular activities or their school schedules or whatever else. I mean, how much does our culture need to understand and need that, you know? Just that image of family, but with with a mission, with a purpose. That's my little, maybe my little two cents extra. (laughs) And then I have a slide on incorrect or unhelpful views of the church in our culture. And I'm just going to, I got this from um, actually Tyron, who leads NCMI. But he's, you know, big into letting us all know that the church is not about us, it's about Jesus. I mean, he's big into that. So, like, in your face about it, but in a really good way. Um, And so I took a few of his points um, from that. And he was saying how, you know, in our culture, it's easy to see the church as a gas station where you just come and get filled. Just come and get filled on a Sunday. It's fine. We do get filled on a Sunday, but that's not why the church is here, and that's not the purpose of the church. A movie theater, it's existing for our entertainment, right? Um, that's why Hugh always says they're not up here doing a concert. It's not We don't come the same... And I know you guys know all this. I mean, you guys always come all in and worshiping, and so it's all good. But we just repeat it anyway, because, you know, we're, we just repeat stuff. <laughs> so movie theater, the church isn't for our entertainment. Um, a retailer, that's the consumer mentality, where we're trying to offer the best products or the best coffee or the best kids ministry or the best. Again, we want to have all those things, but that's not what the church is. A hospital our name is restoration so I had to wrestle this I'm like Lord, what does this mean our name is restoration we're not a hospital and I think as I, I was like you know as I thought about it a little more I'm like no it, it isn't just a place for sick or broken people to get healed it's not we do believe that it's going to that does happen we very much believe God wants to restore people but Restoration means so much more than that, and Hugh says it all the time. It means actually restoring something of God's design for everything, for the church. Restoration of God's design for the church. Restoration of God's design for family. Um, How we relate to our communities. Restoration of God's design for everything, and his order, and his intent for everything. So it is much bigger than just this hospital mentality, like, you know, just come, you're sick, and you get something, you get your medicine. Again, making it all about us. These things were challenging for me, so I'm not sharing with them because I think you need to hear them. I'm sharing them, they were challenging for me, and it's like just such a good reminder. So many people do abuse the church. I feel like we talk a lot about people being abused by the church, but I think we need to talk sometimes about people abusing the church. Coming, not here, I just know the church, I've been in a lot of churches, but coming, not making it all about Jesus, you know, and kind of coming with our agendas, or with what we think the church should give to us, or be to us, and I can't preach on the church without feeling stirred in some way that it is a holy church, it's God's thing, Hugh and I, if we get nothing else right, we want to know and you to know that we want to hear God and his leading for this church you know because I'm sure we won't get everything right but that's our hearts is that we want God's heart for this church for restoration so I'm going to conclude my conclusion is a little bit long so don't think it's going to be like two minutes <laughs> are you guys still with me is this okay okay so in concluding, I just felt the privilege again of belonging to a local church. It is such a privilege to be God's people, to belong to a family like this, to have be linked relationally with God's children, and to be sons and daughters of God and to be in his family. So just reminding us of the privilege of, of being a part of the local church being the church, not just a part of it, but being the church. It's such a privilege. And I wanna encourage us all again, even as we grow, and we have been doing this, but as we grow, continue to be active participants. Continue to be active participants, not just attenders, not just coming on a Sunday to check a box, but continually participating. And I share that from a personal place of just, we believe and have seen the fruit in our lives and in our family's life we've seen so much of the fruit of just being actively participating in the local church Uh, most of you know before restoration we were a part of a church plant for about 13 years give or take and did pretty much Every job or role there during that time, and there were a lot of seasons that we came and I didn't think we had anything to give. You know, we didn't feel good at a lot of things, and we didn't have, um, you know, we didn't feel like we had much to give. Sometimes we had no capacity because of work or because of small kids. Um, But I I began to realize that it was so much more just showing up and just being present and and showing up, and not just showing up in physical, but hearts in, hearts all in and hearts ready to worship, hearts behind whatever God was doing there Um, being shoulder to shoulder with the leaders there and I think God began to show me that it was more about that and the value in just showing up and so sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves feeling like we have to do so many things and there is a doing but God, there's value in just being here, just present just who we are the things we bring, our hearts being in, all in. We each have an important role. And um, using our gifts, but also being willing to just jump in where needed, you know, and it's both. And enjoy the friendships that we have here, because it's a really beautiful, beautiful church family. We, we are biased, we think it's the best, anyway. Um, and then I want to encourage you guys to bring your families and kids when you can, if you can. Um, We do it as a family, you know? Um, We do this as a family as much as we could. We've always done it as a family. And it's not just something that's for leaders and for full-time people in the church. It's for the whole body. It's for the whole priesthood. Um, Our kids grew up in the church. They grew up in the church. They grew up going to meetings. They grew up going to prayer meeting. Every Sunday, I mean, they're still growing up in it, but they, in the early days, they, We actually had prayer meeting every Sunday, I know every Wednesday, for years at our former church, and we would take the kids when they were small every single Wednesday to prayer meeting. Our our kids grew up coming early to worship practice on a Sunday, every Sunday, (laughs) have to get up, get going, and come. So I want to encourage you that, if I can, that it's a family thing. Bring, bring, you know, when you can, when you can. I understand there's situations. I understand. I'm not trying it's not like a, this is not like a, you know, you understand my heart. As I'm just saying, there's a privilege. Bring your families along when you can. Bring your kids. I trust that our kids will grow up with a love for the church, with a love for God's people. And having been around God's presence, having been around the church a lot and being able to then be active participants in the church, wherever they are. Whether they lead, whether they're, you know, putting on the coffee, doesn't matter. Whether they're just coming and being present, that they'll be actively participating. Um, And then, invest relationally in each other. Invest relationally with each other. I think it's something that we just need to hear so much in our culture, is just the value of relationships. And we all say it and we all want to have it, but sometimes we just don't know how Um, or we don't see what we have right in front of us sometimes. I know that's been the case for us. And I wanna, again, this is not coming from a place of anything being wrong. It's just from a place of saying, invest in each other. Invest in each other without agenda, not like what's in it for me, Right, We're in a culture where people are like, well, they have a boathouse, so I'll invest in them because maybe I can get a vacation next weekend there. We, You know, invest in each other, that's not how it should be in the church, is what I'm saying, invest in each other. And I think uh, we had several relationships at our former church where we were in leadership with people who we thought we'd never be friends with them. And there were many people in the church that we thought we'd never be friends with, but God put them in our lives, he put them there. We started being intentional of getting to know them and pushing through, and honestly, they are some of the most dear friends to us now that will be our friends and in our lives, in our kids' lives forever. And they're people who, at the time, we were like, I don't know if we can be friends, (laughs) frankly. So I would just say that to encourage you that we've seen the fruit of having been intentional with people, and I know we don't like that word intentional, right? We don't like it because we want everything to happen naturally. Unfortunately, it doesn't. A lot of times we have to be intentional um, with people, have them in our homes and press in and push through. So, yeah, we've just seen really a lot of fruit from the relationships we've invested in, and so I want to encourage us all. It's such a blessing for us. Um, And I think, yeah, have people in your homes if you can, even if you don't feel like you love hosting or whatever it doesn't matter just doing life together being together doing life together and so a lot of this stuff I'm sharing on that we already do this but it's also for the future and and I think God wants to remind us of these things of what the church is and remind us of his heart for the church of who we are as a people and the things we're called to so okay I'm going to pray for us this morning everyone all good? Good. okay oh I know there's some distractions with noise and people but I want to pray I did feel um yeah I did feel like a ministry point just for people who feel like they don't belong and not necessarily to this church but just in general um, with just a sense of belonging I felt you know God wants to minister to us this morning on belonging or maybe even a deeper sense of belonging um you know we all want to belong and that's a, a need and a basic human need and I feel like the enemy will tell us in our minds you never can are you never gonna fit in or, you never can belong and I feel like that's a lie and God wants to just remind us this morning that we belong we belong to him and we belong you can belong to a family and you belong to his people you can belong in a church too And so I'd love to minister. Um, Maybe I can ask everyone to stand and I'll just pray for us. We can just receive...